0: Boom, what's going on everybody? I am Logan, the 64th Gear Jammer Skeel, and this is Toy Talk. In our continuing series of conversations on what it takes to make a die cast model car or truck, we have covered back in part one, die casting the metal parts and painting those parts. In part two, we talked about the plastic injection machine and the vacuum metalizing process. That way we got our plastic parts and our chrome plated parts. In part 3, we talked about making the wheels and the tires for our model. And in part 4, we talked about thermoforming and vacuum forming to get the crystal clear glass for our models. If you have missed any of these parts, please go back to my channel and get caught up. Also, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and ring that bell to get notified of all of my videos. I've also got this great free report for you. It's on resin versus diecast. It details why resin is taking over the limited mass produced model market and why we need resin models in our collections. So grab it in the link in the description down below. Today's topic is going to be on headlights and other lights for our models. And we'll get to that as soon as we roll that intro. Now the big question is this, do you want a unique collection that is the envy of all your friends and fellow collectors worldwide? If so, you have come to the right place to learn about all things die cast and resin. Follow along as I talk about the latest and greatest releases from the top manufacturers in the industry that will make your collection stand out from all the rest. My name is Logan, the 64th Gear Jammer Skeel. And this is Toy Talk. Okay, today we're going to talk about making the headlights, the taillights, the marker lights, and the light bars for our models. We're going to talk about how they are made, and we're going to talk about how they are colored. But before we can make these parts, we have to make another mold. If you remember, all parts on our model have to have a mold, and these parts need a mold too. So it's off to the CNC milling machine to make a mold for these headlights, taillights, and other parts for our models. Once we have that mold carved out, we can drop it into the plastic injection machine and start producing the parts that we need to make our models. In mass-produced models, the headlights, the taillights are sometimes injected with the windshields and other glass parts, making one piece for assembly. Inside the die-cast body shell, places are left to accommodate the headlights, the taillights, and the windshields. We have to make this part to fit exactly inside that die cast body shell. Now generally these parts won't be colored, they'll just be straight crystal clear. And this method is used to make assembly very fast. Now another method that we have to make our headlights and taillights is to cast them in with the bumpers and the grills of our models, all as one piece. Then we go over and utilize the vacuum metallizing process in order to chrome plate or gold plate these parts. Once they're plated, then we can send them on to the final assembly where they're put on the models. On more expensive model cars and trucks, the manufacturers will use individual headlights and other lights on these models. These parts will be made out of clear plastic or colored plastic in a plastic injection machine. If you'll remember, this machine can only use one color at a time. Therefore, our parts will have to be cast in either clear plastic, red, blue, amber, or what other color plastic, but only one color at a time. This method results in individual parts called jewels. Each of these individual parts then has to be placed on the model by hand during assembly. Which, by the way, adds a lot of realism to the model even though it adds more cost in the manufacturing, but the resulting product is far more valuable to the customer than any of the other methods out there for putting lights on the models. Now, jewels are found on the most expensive models out there and they just give them that polished, finished look. Painting the lights on the model is still another way to get lights on our models. Skilled painters are employed to paint on the headlights, the taillights, the marker lights, either before or after they have been assembled. The paints they use are generally flat paint, but on the best models, they use thick colored resin. This resin adds a touch of realism because it simulates real plastic lenses and makes the model just a step above all the rest. Now we come down to light bars. Model light bars are just like the real light bars. They're cast in clear plastic. The model manufacturers got lucky when LED light bars came into general use because LED light bars utilize colored LEDs to create the red or blue or whatever color that they want to flash instead of using the lenses like the old style light bars used to get the colors. We know the plastic injection machine can only inject one color at a time. So how does a clear light bar end up with red and blue lights on it? Anybody have any guesses? That question is easy to answer. Once again, our skilled painters are called upon to paint on the red and blue colors by hand. Just think, a run of a 1,000 police cars having a 1,000 light bars with red and blue lights. That's 2,000 paint processes. Two paint processes per light bar one red and one blue, all done by hand. Now that takes a lot of time and time is money on the assembly line, but it will give you a far better detailed model than injecting that light bar in one color. Just for comparison, take a first response replicas police car and compare it to a motor max police car. The first response replicas car has the hand painted on light bars, and you can see the extra detail that goes there whereas the Motormax just has it injected in whatever color they need it at that time. You can just see how much better the FRR car is over the Motormax car. Advantage Diecast's solution to realism on their model trucks was to have individual jewel headlights made. The jewel headlights that they had made include the sealed beam pattern, which was common on all headlights back in the 70s. Now this was made possible because skilled craftsmen carving the molds were able to carve that pattern into the mold and then inject the parts with the pattern on them. This adds a real touch of realism and puts it a step above all the rest who are using just plain smooth jewel headlights. Advantage die cast solution for marker lights and taillights was to have them painted on. They employed skilled painters who used a thick colored resin to paint the marker lights and the taillights on the vehicles. This thick resin gave the appearance of plastic lenses on the models, setting them above all the rest who just use a simple plat paint on their models for brake lights and taillights. A recent development in technology has given the model manufacturers the ability to take their models to the next level of realism. With the advent of micro LED lights, model manufacturers now can add illumination to their models that they couldn't before. If you remember before, the only models that really had illumination were electric trains. They used a grain of wheat bulb in the headlight, maybe one in the cab and in the passenger cars. They were able to do this because the bulbs existed and they got their power from the track. Today, micro LEDs use so little electricity, we can put a tiny miniature battery inside a model and it will power all these lights, not to mention how small the LEDs actually are. We can get them down into models the size of 64 scale and probably even smaller. Ertl added illuminations to their Big Farm series of farm tractors, trucks, and construction equipment. They added headlights and sometimes marker lights to these vehicles to make them come alive. They also added headlights to their Precision Elite series. I'm not entirely sure how well that went over with customers because those models were designed strictly to sit on a shelf. They weren't designed for anyone to play with. The world of radio controlled vehicles is another story. Many of the inexpensive RC cars and trucks have the lights just simply painted on the bodies. But this is really okay because those models were intended for kids to go out and play with them in the dark, run on them and crash them. Now, as you start moving up the expense ladder of RC vehicles, you start to see working headlights and working taillights. Continuing up that expense ladder, you'll find very, very complex electronic systems that control all the lights. They'll control the turn signal. They'll turn the brake lights on when the brakes are applied. They'll make roof lights that flash. They'll have uh, rotating beacon lights. It's amazing what all they can do. The turn signal will work. These vehicles are just simply amazing. Construction equipment and semi trucks are probably the best examples of illuminated RC vehicles made. The most elaborate ones will have all the lights found on the real model illuminated in the scale model. Okay, let's recap what we've talked about today. Today, we talked about manufacturing the headlights, the taillights, the marker lights, and the light bars. We talked about the different ways they are made. We also talked about how they are colored. For the most mass produced models, we use a plastic injection machine to make these parts, either as one big part or as individual parts. For the more expensive models, individual parts are always used and then hand applied to the model during final assembly. Light bars are usually made of clear plastic. The red and the blue or other colors are painted on by hand with skilled painters. Finally, we ended our discussion today on the illumination of headlights, taillights, marker lights, and other things with micro LEDs. These lights really make the models come alive, and I predict that they're going to be the future of pretty much all models to come. Next week, I'm going to talk about packaging. We've got all of our parts cast, and they're ready to be sent to the individual stations on the assembly line. But we can't do that until we have packaging. Because once the model is made, it has to go straight into the packaging so it can be shipped to the stores and finally get to the customers. So next Thursday, that's what we're going to talk about is creating the packaging for our models. Now, please, I've got that free report on resin versus die cast. It tells you what resin is, why resin is taking over the mass produced market. And it tells us why we need resin in our collections and to stop looking at die cast only models because resin really is the future in this industry. Please grab your free copy of it in the link in the description down below. And as always, please like, comment, subscribe, and ring that bell to get notified of all of my videos. If you know anybody who would be interested in this, please click that share button and share it with them today. I am Logan, the 64th Gear Jammer Skeel, and this is Toy Talk.